0: your bibles or your copy of god's word and turn to psalm chapter 8 psalm 8 um, last year if you last last year last week if you were with us jared began our new series entitled ology a study of basic christian beliefs and uh, again just to remind you where we're going we're going to spend this will be our second week where we're going to spend seven weeks in the study and uh after that we're going to start with philippians uh, great book of Philippians and we'll I'll teach verse by verse through that wonderful letter of Philippians. But we're gonna do this um uh for the next seven weeks and and we've entitled the study Ology. Ology. It's kinda weird and we did that on purpose so you'd remember it. All right. Ology. Uh not necessarily catchy but uh you can remember it. And that means the study of, right? We know biology is a study of life. Um, and we're going to go through some study of so some basic Christian beliefs. Um, and let me just kind of give you an overview where we're going. Last week, uh, Jared taught on bibliology. which means what, what about the Bible? What's the Bible about? Uh, uh, this week, anthropology, who is man? After that, soteriology, what is salvation? Then doxology, one. We have two on doxology. And, and dox, doxa means to praise. So how do I worship? And then the next one will be how do we worship? Uh, and then Ecclesiology, what is the church? And Eschatology, what about the end? Now there's a lot of other ologies we could throw in there. We're actually going to combine some together. Um, we could go on for a long time. Harmadiology, the doctrine of sin, which we'll touch on this week and next week too. But there's many more. But um, that's where we're going. And then we'll dive into Philippians after that. But But our hope is that you, if you're here and you're new, a new believer, you newly began to follow Jesus Christ. Is this series will lay a good foundation on which to, you can build for years to come. If you've ever done any kind of construction or know anything about construction or if you own a house here and where we have soil that moves, you understand how important it is to have a good foundation. And not only to have a good foundation to lay one, but to take care of it, you actually have to water your foundation here. If you didn't know that, you better start watering it. All right. We didn't know that we first moved here, but we water our foundation. To 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 maintain our foundation. So, hopefully, if you're if you're a new believer, that this will help you lay a good foundation. Uh, for those who have been following Jesus for a number of years, our hope is that this would help you maintain that that foundation. And you don't go, "Well, you I mean, I've heard this before." You know what? These truths that we're going to talk about over the next seven weeks, you can never hear too much. You can never know enough. You can never apply enough in your life and maintain that foundation, so that you can continue to build on foundation maybe you've neglected your foundation for a while and they're starting to get some cracks in there and we want to come along and 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 get what i when we were in, in uh springfield illinois we our first house the the driveway had dipped along we had a basement which wasn't good so what happens to water when this goes toward the basement it comes into your basement right if you had a basement that's what happens other places in the world all right um so we had to call the slab jackers I like the name that was the name of the slab Jackers. I still remember writing that check Slab jackers, and they, they jacked up our slab. they helped our foundation they, they fixed some things in our foundation and around our foundation and, and maybe that 's where you are. I encourage you to to examine where you are there and no doubt there's many there 's maybe many people here that have followed Christ for years, but you never took the opportunity to lay a good foundation and i can 't tell you how many people I know that have known Christ for years. And when I begin to talk to them, I see that somehow they miss some foundational things. And they've been struggling all this time for, because someone forgot to tell them about some foundational truths, about things that they need to put in their life and have in their life and understand so they might fully follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe that's you. So my hope is that maybe you can back up so, you know I've been following Christ for years, and I, I need to go back and work on my foundation and lay and, and expand my foundation so that I can build up on that for years to come. So this morning, we, like as I said, we're going to cover this uh, thing called anthropology. Anthro meaning man, So and answer this question, who is man? Uh, we're going to do that from Psalm 8 and, and some other scriptures. So look at Psalm 8 with me. I'm going to read this, and then pray, and then we're going to dive in here. Psalm 8, uh, Um. And right before verse 1, there's some words. And those are also inspired words, in case you did this. It's not just a heading somebody put in there. Now, if it's bold, somebody put it in there. But after that, where it says, For the choir director, on the gitteth, which is kind of a guitar instrument, a psalm of David. And then we begin in verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens from the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease when I consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have ordained what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him that you have made him a little lower than God And you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field. The birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this part of your word. And Lord, we thankful. We are so thankful that you, our great God, are mindful of man. That you think about us, that you care about us, that you love us. And Lord, we come to your word. And Lord, we want to be changed and encouraged and challenged and and comforted. And Lord, you know where each person is here this morning. Lord, I pray you'd minister to them through your word just as they have need. We trust you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I coached college football for one year. All right, not too long after I finished playing and realized that uh, at that time coaching was not for me. Uh, I wanted to play still so bad, but I coached for one year and and I served while I was at uh, Georgetown College in Kentucky as a resident director. So that means you're basically in charge of a dorm. And and the way that Georgetown was a smaller school got more... Coaches was they would have assist a lot of the assistant coaches young guys like me or single they would make them a resident director and they'd take care of your room and board and then they would pay you a salary on beyond that so I was a resident director the largest male dorm on campus and happened to be full of all the athletes all right that's that was my job and as a part of my responsibilities as an RD resident director I had to go to meetings with the rest of the RDs and often the ADs assistant all right, our, um, uh, re- assistant directors, all right, they, they helped out the resident director and uh, to, with the dean of students and talk about different things, ways we could do our job better and help the students as they were um, going through different things. And I remember um, at one particular um, meeting near the, end of, near the end of school about April and all the ADs are all the RDs were there and, and the dean of student, students told us a, a story. He had been in another college. And he had been instructing uh, the ADs and RDs around the time of checkout, which is early May, that you need to make sure you're available because all these students are going to start checking out of your dorms. You've got to be there and you've got to go through these different procedures. You've got to make sure you're there when you're supposed to be because and, and if not, everything just goes crazy. Well, he, he had told this particular group that this other college would do that. And then that day came and uh, there was no one covering a certain dorm. And one of the uh, assistant directors all right, uh, was not there, one of the, the ADs. And um, they couldn't find him. They looked all over for him, hours and hours. And other people were trying to fill in between their finals and all those kind of things to, to, to fill in for his spot. He was gone for hours. And all of a sudden, he showed back up. And, and the dean of students been looking all over. He called the police, the whole thing, trying to find this guy. And he showed back up. He goes, are you okay? This the first thing. He said, are you okay? And he said, yeah, I'm fine. He said, where have you been for these last few hours? been looking all over for you. And, and the, the young man's response was, he says, well, I went out to try to find myself. So the dean of students said to us, he said, just so you know, during checkout time is not a good time to go find yourself. (laughs) All right? And when you hear someone say, I want to find myself, or they want to find themselves, they're basically trying to answer the question, who am I? What's my purpose in life? Why am I here? That's basically when you hear people say, well, I want to find myself. That's what they're, they're trying to figure out these questions. Uh, and there's good times to do that and bad times to do that this morning's a good time to do that all right to to, to, to try, try to answer those questions and they're important and if they're not answered those kind of questions it leads to people shrinking the, from their responsibilities from being ineffective to having no hope no direction in life can lead to despair and can often lead to suicide when those questions why am i here who am i what's my purpose in life and they're not answered that's where it can lead Maybe you're here this morning, and you're trying to find yourself. Or maybe you need to be reminded of why you're here. And when I say why you're here, not necessarily here, but what's your purpose in life? And the good news is, is that God's Word has a lot to say about this. It's very clear. It's not fuzzy at all. And it answers to those questions. So this morning as we examine this Psalm 8, and we're going to look at some other passages of Scripture as well, uh, a lot in Genesis 1 as well and 2, and other, we're, going to, we're going to examine and discover what the Bible teaches about man. Uh, and we'll do this by asking and answering four questions concerning man, and or that we might be, all that God wants us to be, all that he's created to be. Now when I say man, I'm not talking about just the, the male Uh, sex of mankind but the bible uses man to talk about males and it talks and also uses the word man to also talk about mankind as whole male and female and it's very clear with that so when i use the word man i'm not just talking about the guys all right girls but that's 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 just so we understand that so you don't go to sleep all right you can or elbow your husband the whole time but the first question we want to answer this morning is who is man who is man that's the first question if you're taking notes who is man and let's begin answering by looking at Psalm 8. Look at verse 1 with me. O Lord, our Lord. Now, in some translations, the first Lord is what? What's different about the first Lord? It's all caps, which it means it's the word Yahweh. All right, And this is the, 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 the name, the personal name that God gave to Moses when he was going to send Moses off to face Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Who should I say, sit me? And he says, I am. Yahweh, personal and uh, a per, his personal name it also came to mean as he began to, to to spell out his covenant to the people and and talk about his faithfulness it became it became synonymous with he's a faithful god he's personal and he's faithful the next word it's 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 capital l little o little r little d and it's the word adonai which means god almighty or sovereign over all so he he, he, he says O lord yahweh personal faithful God who is sovereign over all this is how he begins and he ends the psalm this way so let's continue here as he, he talks about this wonderful God he says how majestic is your name in all the earth who have displayed your splendor above the heavens some translations say set your glory or majesty above the heavens i um, not sure what all translations we have but I know some of them say that as well what David is saying is that our faithful and sovereign God's uh, our faithful sovereign god's glory and greatness goes beyond what creation can reveal he sets his glory his majesty above the heavens we can't even attain it even if we look around the creation we can learn a lot about god's greatness and about his sovereignty and about his faithfulness by looking around but it goes beyond that it's that and then some is in a sense what david is saying now look at verse two from the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. Here David points out the strength of God. He's so strong, he uses the weak things of this world to overcome his enemies, to overcome his enemies, and in a sense also overcome the things that the world says is strong. He uses the weakest thing we can think of, a little infant. And a little infant to show how strong he is. So, so we see here in these first two verses, David begins by pointing out the greatness and the glory and the strength of God. And someone might be thinking, well, I thought we were answering the question, who is man? And these first two questions are all about who God is. Exactly. In order to answer the question, who is man, we first must answer the question, who is God? Because apart from knowing God, you can't know who man is. We're dependent upon God for our existence. We're dependent upon God for our identity. We're dependent upon God for everything. So we must first know who he is. A proper understanding of God is essential to us. Having a proper understanding of man. So with these high and true thoughts about who God is, David continues in verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your hands, the work of the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. So he he he's looking at this. And, and, and David's just amazed as he looks and, and he's already said that the majesty of God is beyond what he can see, beyond creation. But he sees enough to go, wow. You are great. You are awesome. You are beautiful. You are majestic. When I consider that, when I really think about that, and all in your creation, as I see what you've made with your fingers and the moon and the stars and all that you've ordained, when he does this, notice what it leads him to in verse 4. What is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Some of your translations say, what is man that you take mind of him or you think about him compared to god man is small and weak and an in- insignificant creature as we see i'm looking here and then i'm looking here oh my goodness he's overwhelmed uh, the noted swiss reformer john calvin rightly points this out when he writes man is never sufficiently touched and affected by the awareness of his lowly state until he has compared himself with god's majesty and that's what David's doing. He's looking around. Oh, my goodness. And he's looking at him himself. And compared to God, I am so lowly. He's overwhelmed by this. However, as lowly as man is compared to God, God thinks of man. Or is mindful of man. And, and, and it explains what that means in the rest of the verse. In other words, as God is... It, 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 as great as God is, and as small as man, and God cares for man. It says, and the son of man, that you care for him. When he's thinking about it, he's not just thinking, okay, boy, how did I make this guy? No, th- this thought, this being mindful of, is an intimate care and love for mankind. And David's going, I just can't get over that. That the great, sovereign, faithful God of all the earth is mindful of me. He cares about me so the first answer to the question who is man is man is highly valued by god man is highly valued by god Uh, let let me say that again did you did did you did you get that man is highly valued by god so let me tell all of you here this morning no matter what anyone has has told you or anyone will tell you their opinion doesn't matter doesn't matter at all and i know many of you have been told that you're worthless. You're scum. And we could just go on and on, right? Many of you have been told that, or will be told that. It doesn't matter what other people think. It matters what God says. And he says you are highly valued, because you are my creation. When I was uh, when I finished my short football career with the Atlanta Falcons, and had, had my shoulder re- uh, reconstructed, and I actually moved back to live with my parents while I was rehabbing, because I couldn't do anything, I was kind of, like this, you know what I'm talking about, right, Miss Keller? And I just strapped to my thing, and I couldn't really drive, so I moved back in with them. And then again, going through rehab, and then I began to substitute teach. So I didn't want to be a freeloader, just sit around and do nothing all the time. I rehabbed for a few hours, now substitute teaching. Can you imagine me coming as your substitute teacher? It's kind of a scary thought, right? And this one particular time, they put me in, one time they put me in elementary school, a third grade class, and they called me specifically because they said they, that this class, thir- third graders, had run off the last three substitutes. they left in the middle of the day. <laughs> and I won't tell you what I did, but they didn't run me off. And, uh, but another time, I was in, in, in junior high. Now, you guys, we've got about three junior high teachers in this room, and you know, I mean, you got a special calling to be the junior hires, all right? So they brought me to this junior high, and, and I, I remember, and I'd been there a few times, and... And I was sitting at the lunch table with some teachers during lunch. And this one lady said this. That kid's worthless. Well, luckily, my one arm was weak. All right? I mean, I, it just went right through me. And, um, and I said, no, that kid's not worthless. He's been created in the image of God. That kid has value. God says he's high, th- this young man is highly valued by him. Is he struggling? You bet. But I don't want to ever hear you. Yeah, I'm a substitute teacher. I don't ever hear you say that about a kid again when I'm sitting around here. Now, when I came back to that school, um, nobody sat with me anymore. But, uh, um, but that kid wasn't worthless. That's not what the Word of God says. And I probably wasn't real loving when I said that. To, and I understand that. I was, I'm still rough around the edges. I was really rough around the edges then. But what I said was true. That young man was highly valued by God. Well, let's now look at what else David says in verse 5. Yet you have made him a little lower than God. Now, some of your translations say you have made him a little lower than angels or heavenly beings. And that, that follows the translation of the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And the word here in the Hebrew is the word Elohim. You've probably heard that before, right? Elohim, it's another word for God. And the majority of times, the word Elohim is used it's used for God. And I, and I think here, what God's trying to communicate, I think that... that that is the best translation it doesn't change the meaning of this at all necessarily all right but i I think that you you, you've been made a little lower than god Uh, the niv actually says in the marginal note god um so uh, but but here we find the second answer to the question who is man not only is he highly valued by god but man is not god man is not god he's been made a little lower than god or you can even say heavenly beings but he's not god how many of you have seen the movie Rudy all right shame on the rest of you I'm kidding it's a great movie and this is what it's about it's about this young man who's completely uh, he's too small he's too slow he's too weak to play division one football and he grew up in the south side of Chicago in Joliet area and he wanted to play for Notre Dame Fighting Irish No no matter what you think about Notre Dame that's what he wanted to do that was his dream and he went and he walked on. First of all, he didn't have the grades to get in, so he had to go to this little junior college next to Notre Dame. And he worked and worked and worked and worked, and, and he got refused to, to, they kept refusing him to get in Notre Dame. And he kept he working, and one time he came to one of the chapels, on chapel of Notre Dame campus, and he was there by himself, and he was just trying to figure out what's going on, what am I going to do? And this older priest comes up and approaches him and just begins to talk to him and finds out what's going on in his life and listens to his struggle trying to make get into Notre Dame so he can walk on the football team and and I'll never forget this is the best line the whole movie by far the priest says to Rudy in all my theological education I've discovered two things there is a God and I'm not him that's important to know there is a God and I'm not him. And any time in Scripture you see uh, mankind, any man, lift himself up as God, God shows up because He says He will not share His glory with another. There's only one God. Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel decides to take some praise and act as if He's God. And Nebuchadnezzar spends a long time wandering around like a cow eating grass. So God humbles him, let him know, no, you're not God. I'm God. You're like a cow. That's what you, that you really are compared to me. You see, there is a God and we're not him. So we've seen our answer to this question, at least in this passage so far, that the answer to who is man, he, man is highly valued by God and man is not God. Now look at with me at the second half of verse 5, and it says this, and you crown him with glory and majesty. Man is crowned with glory and majesty. Another way to say this is man is created in the image of God man is not god however man is next in line god created man unique and there's no other created being like man uh, we we were reminded of this a few weeks ago when i when, uh, was teaching on the sanctity of life sunday uh, that man is unique and, and it's never said of any other created thing that they're created in the image and likeness of god except for mankind. Look with me again. we reminded of this in Genesis 1:26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And no place else in all of Scripture we find that God created anything in his image and likeness but man. There's been much discussion as to what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. Charlie, I bet you've read a lot on this, haven't you? I'm sure you have. And as a former pastor, I know he has. And I've read a lot on this. Uh, So I'm going to go out on a limb. Big limb. Uh, And I I think that Wayne Grudem helps us understand that, first of all, what this means just by the meanings of the words. So both the Hebrew word for image... And the Hebrew word for likeness refer to something similar, but not identical to the thing it represents or is an image of. The word image can also be used of something that represents something else. Therefore, Groom goes on to say, the fact that man is in the image of God means that man is like God and represents God. And you see this throughout Scripture. Man is like God, and he represents God. Now, many have tried to boil down the meaning of of image and likeness by saying that man has a mind, will, and emotions just like God and I'm not saying that's not, that's not true however this seems to limit what it means that man is made in the image of likeness of God, that's not enough that just, that's just scratching the surface of what it means that man is made in the image of likeness of God Now, many of you have heard that's the definition of what it made, me, means to be made in the image and likeness of God and I'm telling you there's not, that's not a true statement but it's incomplete it's not enough it's better than that The only way to have a full understanding of what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God, listen, to fully understand what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God, you have to first fully understand God. Think about that. Is all that there is of God is mind, will, and emotions? Is that all we need to understand about God? Yeah, That's it, man. That's not much of a God. He's greater than that. Therefore, the more we know God, the more we'll know what it means to be made in his likeness and image. And you know what? This is going to take all eternity. I believe we'll still be discovering things about who God is for all eternity, even when we're with him in his very presence. We'll never exhaust it. And it will be, and as we do, we'll be overwhelmed and amazed of what it really means to be made in the image and likeness of God. So, I, that's, you're thinking. well, what's that definition? It's kind of wide open. Yeah. It's kind of wide open. It's huge. Yeah. We've got a huge God. And I don't want to narrow it down and boil it down to something that it's way more than that, and we miss something of what it means to be made in image and likeness of God. We know this. It's an honor to be made in the image and likeness of God, isn't it? It's an honor. There's nothing else that's created like this. So in answer to the question, who is man, we have discovered man is highly valued by God. Man is not God, and man is crowned with glory and majesty, or man is created in the image of God so now let's consider our second question concerning man what is the purpose of man to answer this question we must first answer a, another question why did god create man why did god create man and you may have all sorts of reasons and i can tell you one reason that it's not he didn't create us he didn't need us god is complete within himself he needs no one else himself so he didn't need us uh, look at with me at the remainder of psalm 8 beginning with verse 6 you make him speaking of man to rule over the works of your hands you've put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea whatever pleases whatever passes through the paths of the sea then he goes and says the same thing he did in verse 1 oh lord our lord how majestic is your name Now, think about what that says. Look at what that says. Now compare it with Genesis 1.28. God blessed them, meaning mankind, and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on earth. David was thinking about this when he wrote this psalm. God created us to be his representatives in his creation while rightly ruling over his creation. To be his representatives while rightly ruling over all the earth. And as his representatives, the attention was not to be on man, but on God. It's another word for ambassador. An ambassador of our country is not there to represent themselves, they're there to represent our country. And an ambassador for God or a representative of God is not there to make much of themselves, but is there only to speak on behalf of God, only to represent God. We must never forget that. God is clear as to why he created us then. Look what it says in Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. God created man to bring him glory. God created you and me, everyone in this room, to bring him glory. To make much of him to to display his majesty and display his splendor of those who have been created in the image and likeness of him so that he would be glorified so he would be made much of so he would shine brightly therefore the purpose of man is to fulfill that for which God created us that's why he created us to bring him glory to glorify God Uh, notice something else here uh, about man's purpose found throughout god's word but i'll just give you one illustration in in psalm sixteen eleven, it says you will make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy in your right hand there are pleasures forever in glorifying god there is joy and pleasure you all remember the old hymn any of you may grow up in a baptist church and i don't know uh, other churches i grew up in a little baptist church and we used to sing this song trust and obey For there's no other way to be what? Happy in Jesus. Yeah. I mean, there's a part of it when we are glorifying God, we enjoy it. Think when you obey your parents, things are good, right? It's enjoyable. When we obey and we're glorifying God and we're making much of God, it's an enjoyable experience when we do that. That doesn't mean it's easy all the time, but there's joy in it. And God didn't create us to glorify Him and make much of Him so that we'd be miserable. And many people will think that. They look like they've been baptized in vinegar and weaned on a dill pickle. You've seen some of those people. And sometimes we act like that. Oh, man, I just got to glorify God. Whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, do all to the glory of God. Man, that, It should never be like that. That's not what God created us for. Man's purpose, listen to this. Uh, the 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 answer to the first big question, uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, what is the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? I like to say it better like this: to glorify God while enjoying Him forever. It's a joy, because that's what He's made us to do, and when we're doing what He's created us to do. There's joy in that. I I I, I love what John Piper says about this. This is probably. In every book that he's ever written, it seems like, and it's just a theme, but he, he he says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When we realize he's all in all. He's all that we need. That brings him glory. Now, there, there's another person I want to quote here, and I don't know when I thought about this. Um, but this is those who know who me. I like little things like this, and I just came up. I don't came up with it. When he is our greatest treasure, we experience the greatest pleasure. Is that true? When he is our greatest treasure, we experience the great. Y'all are laughing. All right. <laughs> pleasure. Greg actually put my name down there. All right. When he put this up here, but I, I don't. I don't know where I mean. I just it came to my mind, and I liked it because it rhymed. All right, but. And I'm an old football player who got hit too many times in the head, so bear with me. So when he is our greatest treasure, we experience the greatest pleasure. It's true. Therefore, the answer to the question of what is man's purpose, it's to glorify God while enjoying him forever. That's man's purpose. Allow us a consider the third question concerning man. What happened to man? And this is going to be brief because we're going to deal with this again next week. Uh, we, we need to answer this question because we know that man is not fulfilling the purpose for which God created. We know that at least I know that personally I'm not all the time. In Genesis three, so what happened? What happened to man in Genesis three man I mean mankind, man and woman decided not to fulfill their purpose of glorifying God, and instead they brought glory to themselves. That's what happened there in Genesis three is they sinned they, they thought of themselves. Is more than God. And they brought glory to themselves. They made themselves the issue. And this passed on a sinful nature to all mankind. Men and women. Look what Paul says in 5.12. Therefore just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. We're all born with a sinful nature. And people, people try to the scripture says that that means it's true. But practically we know it's true. I've got six kids. I can promise you it's true. It doesn't take long. To find out yeah there's something in there's not right all right and my my daughter just went yeah and here's what it is i've never taught any of my kids how to fight they just do it naturally i've never taught how to do selfish now you're laughing but your kids are the same and so are you you were born selfish and thought about you above all else it's all about you we all like this and this is proof Scripture says it, that makes it true, but there's proof to it. And then, then Paul also says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of mankind has glorified themselves and not glorified God. Which is our purpose. Then Paul explains in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. That is not good news. Because we've all sinned. We don't glorify God. We don't fulfill the purpose for which God has created us. We're about ourselves. We all know that it's true. And this death is eternal death, separated from God forever in a place called hell. And hell is real. And that's, that's not good news at all, which leads us to our fourth question concerning man. Is there hope for man? Is there hope for what happened to man? And is there hope for man? I'll also deal with this question more in detail next week. We're going to be doing soteriology, which is the doctrine of salvation. And we'll talk about this more in depth. But for now, let me just say the question, this question, is there hope for man? Here's my answer. Yes. Yes. And it's found in the second half of Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We can have life and fulfill our purpose of glorifying God while enjoying him forever. By embracing God's gift of Jesus. Then we can fulfill the purpose for which God has made us and enjoy Him in the process. Isn't that good news? So we've discovered here this morning that man is highly valued by God. Man is not God. Man is crowned with glory and majesty, meaning he's creating the image and likeness of God. Our purpose is to glorify God while enjoying Him forever. Man is sinful and separated from God. And our only hope to fulfill our purpose is to repent means to turn from trusting in ourself and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who paid for our sin then we can fulfill our purpose have you done that have you come to a place in your life that you realize that you're about yourself and God created you for his glory and you no longer want to be about yourself you want to turn to God and say God I want to be about your glory I want to be forgiven not only have you done that one time but are you doing that now You see, the gospel isn't just a moment, boom, and that's it, and it's all over. Yes, we've made right with God, but God is about us being made, continually doing this every day, repenting from our self-glory and turning to his glory and glorifying him. And the only thing that can enable us to do that is the cross. Jesus every day, I'm in. Because I need him every day, not just one day. Every day, all of us do. We're going to stand here in a second. We're going to sing this song. Uh, If you could bring those words up. Uh, There you go. And I'll flip here. Who are we, this is from Psalm 8, that we, you would be mindful of us? What do you see that's worth looking our way? We are free in ways that we never should be. Sweet release from the grip of these change. Like hinges straining from the weight my heart no longer can keep from singing. And here's a chorus. All that is within me cries for you alone be glorified emmanuel god with us a heart sings a brand new song The debt is paid these chains are gone emmanuel god with us so i'm going to pray and i'm going to ask the music team to make their way up here and we're going to sing this amazing song and worship our god who created man amen let's pray lord thank you so much for your word and Lord, as we look and who is man, that you're mindful of us, you're so amazing, yet God in your greatness and your power and your glory and your faithfulness, Lord, you looked upon your creation and you care about us, you love us, you've created us in your image. We're special. And Lord, you want us to glorify you and Lord, we cannot do that on our own. We need you to empower us to do that, that we might enjoy you forever. So Lord, help us do that. Not just as we sing, But Lord, as we walk throughout this week, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.